Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of October 2010. Now newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll look for hundreds of talks of audios for download that I've given over the years. Uh, I try to give you the shortcuts, the big picture, fill in some of the histories, the big organizations that form the parallel government that's been here for well over 100 years, and to show you how really democracy is a farce and how they bypassed even Republican countries as well. And they did do an end run around them. They even boasted about it in Foreign Affairs magazine that that's what they would do. They have actually done it a long time ago. So go into the site, and remember, too, they all carry... Uh, a lot of transcripts in English of the talks I've given for Prince Up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu. You'll see that listed on the com site as well. And help yourself to those. And while you're at it, remember you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't ask for money for advertisers. I don't bring them on as guests. And um, that way I get more leeway to see what I want to say and stay on the subjects and topics too. So it's up to you to support me. Remember, the ads you hear on this show are paid by the advertisers directly to RBN. I don't even know who they are, and um, I've got nothing to do with them. And RBN uh, uses that money to broadcast this show, uh, to pay their staff and their equipment and their bills, which we all have lots of, of course. So you can support me by buying the books and discs and so on I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you'll find out the link there on how to purchase some. Remember, in the U.S., you can still use a personal check to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office to Canada. And you can use cash. Some people send cash and tinfoil. And um, you can also use PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase the items, just send the PayPal donation followed by a separate email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, you've got the option of the same things, really, except you can't use a personal check from Europe, say, to Canada. And they've stopped using international postal uh, orders from other countries except the U.S. So you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and Cash, of course, and PayPal to donate or to order. It's quite simple, really. But that's what happens in this big world is they bring it into a global society. Under the guise of more freedoms, you actually get less and less choices as time goes on. And this is, they're just starting now, of course, in this area. And they'll be following that up very quickly because they want to take track of everyone's money at financial transactions. And eventually we go into the cashless society. And believe you me, one day, if they find an extra tin of baked beans near cupboard, when they will do home inspections, They'll demand to know where you got it if it wasn't on your purchasing list. And they'll have your purchasing list, of course, on their computers. No kidding. That's where it's all to go. We live in a time of incredible change. Um, 
is changed from one illusion to the next in a sense, the old illusion being democracy for all and the illusion that politicians ran the countries and they ran the world for us and we could sit back and play and buy things under under the old consumerist society. And they're throwing that out the door now because we've done our job, really. We've financed the rest of the world to get built up. And we've financed the production of and the setting up of all the big factories in China. We're still financing the wars as they standardize the last few countries. But at the same time, they're taking us down to get us ready for almost a third world status. And big plans are laid. They publish them, by the way. You have to know how to read it. They are quite blatant if you really, really read it properly. And we'll touch on that when I come back from this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix mentioning before the, sh- the last break that we are brought in, up in one illusion and, and when we change over to the next system the big boys who designed it already create the new illusion for you as well and they teach it through the school systems uh, who are, and the school children today think they're going to live in some wonderful greeny, greeny world and it's all going to be some kind of utopia for them as they learn to spy on each other and everyone else and there, it's going into a totalitarian system, it's a Sovietized system, a more updated, advanced Sovietized system. And I can't really stress that enough because that's what it is. It's nothing to do with democracy as you think of it. I don't know how you think of it. Personally, I don't think much of it at all because I've long enough to, to look into it and study it. Some years ago, there was a documentary put out from members of the British Parliament, for an example, and people go and cast their votes and so on, and they think that the politicians all talk this, this out together, including their own politicians, whatever problem there is, and they don't realize it doesn't work like that. There's a private cabinet, a privy cabinet is called, an ultimate cabinet, and it's private, so they even bring in members from the outside, big moguls of industry, but you're not allowed to know who they are. And they also have uh, other cabinets within uh, the, the parliamentary systems that uh, are all given their marching orders to work on something. And they work basically like round table societies. So they go off to their round table and that's their job. And the rest of them must, it must keep it secret from all the other boards that are working on similar things. These are never discussed in parliament. They're just rubber stamped and passed into law. And that's how it really works. So the guy that you think is sending, you're sending off to represent you uh, has got nothing to do at all about representing you whatsoever. He's working on what the party wants and what the high chutzpahs of the party wants in particular. That's how it works. So it's nothing like the, how it's been portrayed on television, of course, and, and dramas and fiction. And it's very much the same in the United States because the U.S. really has the same system as Britain and elsewhere, where they have a, a commons people, which is the Congress, and then they have a house for the senators, which is the House of Lords. It's the same idea. And they also have their private chambers and private this and private that, because the big things are done behind closed doors. But now we also have the addition of unelected specialists on the boards with environment, carbon, and all that kind of stuff, 
who then guide them. Getting official appointments, and I don't know if anybody's ever updated their charters to accommodate that. Probably not. Didn't bother. Why need to? No one complains. And you just appoint these new appointees who then end up ruling over you and other facets of your life. But that's the new system that they brought up. And it's, it's global, it's worldwide, and it's for world governments. It's so interesting that years ago, politicians were giving speeches uh, when the European Union was finished amalgamating uh, out of a supposed free trade agreement. It became a total amalgamation under a single parliament, which was, of course, the idea in the first place. But they, they did say that they had to lie to the people until it was completed because they'd never go for it. Which is true. They would never have gone for it. And they're doing the same with other blocks across the world. I'll touch on another one after later on the show. But um, the world is under total surveillance, of course, since 9-11 especially. They were doing it before that, but they really stepped it up and gave themselves more permission to do whatever they want. The Internet, of course, is there for them, not for you. It's to monitor every individual soul on the planet and personality profile you, and make sure that you're getting your proper indoctrination and that it's taking on you. They can tell by the content of your exchanges with other people if your indoctrination is working on you or not. And they have, in the Pentagon, a separate little world, a virtual world with every one of us in it, with their personality profiles so perfect that they can and updated every day with new info from you that you put up there voluntarily. And they can put in little test questions. What will so-and-so do in this situation? And they're generally right. You would if it was in, in real life. That's how perfect it is. There is no privacy. Never was intended to be privacy on the Internet. It was for a tool to bring in this world global system of tyranny, basically. But I talked talk about Facebook and others, too, of course, who, who were set out there and backed with a front man, I always give you a front man, uh, to bring in more info and more and more info. And that they're all connected to the intelligence agencies. All of them. All of them out there, Google, Yahoo, all of them. And all the freebie things that you use. That's the bait to get you in. Well, it's the same with uh, forums, etc. I've mentioned the forums. You know, they talked years before we got the internet that there would be information wars coming up. It was in all the media, mainstream media, about information wars. And, of course, people think that uh, they sit back waiting for the war to happen. Well, the big boys don't. They make sure they've set up forums for you to join and so on. And they have provocateurs in them, of course. The idea being, if you put a strong leader in, and he targets different people who the authorities are unhappy with, then they can get the rest of the, the sheeple to follow them and bombard uh, the person and harass them and stuff like that. That's very common. Very, very common. You can't go into a forum without one getting sent in there, even if you started up yourself. But also, there's a lot of data mining goes on. The information from these forums is allowed to be monitored by MIT and places like that for content and for sorting out group programs where they classify you under group headings and then find out what you have in common individually, what binds you together and so on. And then what other forums you'll join to see, uh, to, to further refine their understanding of you as a person, basically. But they're also doing other things too. Here's an article here 
to do with data mining, basically. They call it scraper or scrapering or scraping. It says, um, at 1 a.m. on May the 7th, the website patientslikeme.com noticed suspicious activity in its mood discussion board. There, people exchange highly personal stories about their emotional disorders, ranging from bipolar disease to desire to cut themselves, as cutting is a very in thing these days. It says, it was a break-in. A new member of the site, using sophisticated software, was scraping or copying every single message off patients like me's private online forums. And it says, um, patients like me managed to block and identify the intruder, a Nielsen company, the privately held New York media research firm. So they're using big boys in there. Nielsen monitors online buzz for clients, including major drug makers, which buy data gleaned from the web to get insight from consumers about their products, Nielsen says. I felt totally violated, says Bilal Ahmed, a 33-year-old resident of Sydney, Australia, who used patients like me to connect with other people suffering from depression. He uses cinnamon on the message boards, but his patients like me profile linked to his blog, which contains his real name. After patients like me told users about the break-in, Mr. Ahmed deleted all his posts plus a list of drugs he uses. It was very disturbing to know that your information is being sold, he said. Nielsen says it no longer scrapes uh, sites requiring an individual account for access unless it has permission. Well, sure. Do you really believe them? Do you really believe them? It says the market for data about web users is hot. And one of the methods used is scraping, harvesting online conversations. And May and Nielsen scrape private forums where patients discuss illnesses. How can web users pre- uh, prevent their data from being scraped? By Julia Angwin, uh, and she joins Digits to discuss. So it gives you links to related uh, documents and so on. But it also goes on about the marketing companies. It says the market, you ever wonder if you, you join something like that and you know what medications are on, what's working, what isn't. And the next thing you know, you get ads coming in from these companies uh, targeting you individually, prescribing something else that you'll go and push your doctor to get. That's how they manage it. The market for personal data about internet use is booming, and in the vanguard is a practice of scraping. Firms offer to harvest online conversations and collect personal details from social networking sites, uh, resume sites, and online forums where people might discuss their lives. The emerging business of web scraping provides some of the raw material for a rapidly expanding data economy. Marketers spent $7.8 billion on online and offline data in 2009, according to the New York management consulting firm Winterbury Group. Spending on data from online sources is set to more than double to $840 million in 2012 from $410 million in 2009. The Wall Street Journal's examination of scraping, a trade that involves personal information as well as many other types of data, it says as part of the newspaper's investigation into the business of tracking people's activities online and selling details about their behavior and personal interests. Some companies collect personal information for detailed background reports on individuals, such as email addresses, cell numbers, photographs, and posts, on social network sites. Quite amazing, really, isn't it? And people still think it's personal, your personal computer. That was a good con, that one. Your personal computer. Your account. Your personal account, too. Right? 
Others offer what are known as listing services, which monitor in real time hundreds or thousands of news sources, blogs and websites to see what people are saying about specific products or topics. One uh, such service is offered by Dow Jones and Company. Publisher of the journal, Dow Jones collects data from the web, which may include personal information contained in news articles and blog postings that help corporate client monitors how they are portrayed. It says it doesn't gather information from password-protected parts of sites. Oh, sure. It's rare like coincidence when you see web ads for products that match your interests. Uh, Wall Street Journal's Christina Tsu explains how advertisers use cookies to track your online habits. The competition for data is fierce. Patients Like Me also sells data about its users. Patients Like Me says the data it sells is anonymized, so no names are attached. We'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, years ago Bill Cooper used to talk about what was happening at, in his day back in the 90s and he touched on a topic once that uh, was close to my own heart because he said, I can't the same conclusion a long time ago, uh, that governments really should not be in the business of behavior modification. Is that what governments are there for, to modify your behavior? And yet that's what they do. By coercion, intimidation, and so on, political correctness is speeding up by it like crazy now. And what they do is use the same Chinese technique they used in China initially for modifying behavior by creating social approval or social disapproval. And that's why they don't have to send the militia off to drag a woman into the abortion clinic anymore, the neighbors are taught to do it instead because it's socially disapproved to have a second child in your community without authorization and, um, and they, your neighbors will drag you off for the abortion. Uh, the idea was dreamed up by two guys who worked at the United Nations who also said they'd apply the same thing to smoking, which they were very successful about. Uh, where they would train children in school to start coughing Pavlovian style if someone lit a cigarette up uh, 20 feet away. And it works, you see. It works. You see these people yet, you know, you just watch them. Someone lights up a cigarette 20 feet away and, and they'll cough automatically and be very disapproving, you see. Social approval, social disapproval. And remember, all morality, all these kind of things can be, can be brought by the same governments to, and can respond in, in the way that's approved. So Cooper was touching on, on the fact that um, they were using this technique of, of basically modifying our behavior by using peer pressure, the indoctrination of the masses who would turn on the few who would, would not go along with something. And it works incredibly well, incredibly well. And those who are brainwashed into going along with it um, never have thought anything through consciously on a conscious level. Like like Jacks E. Lull said, he says, they bring it in with osmosis, osmosis, by hearing about things, but never thinking anything through. They adopt what they know is the good thing to do. That's how it's promoted, the good thing. Whatever it happens to be, it's the good thing to do. And they go along with it. 
And we've watched this. Uh, it's amazing, too, this whole thing about smoking cigarettes, which is something still legal, although they don't want you to smoke. And yet they spray every day uh, all this toxic stuff with cadmium and aluminum oxide and, and various other chemicals added to the stuff that which the spraying comes down to earth and causes you all bronchitis. But they're still harping on about smoking, because they must have some very, 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 very good reason to want to ban smokers from smoking. And I think personally, it's just just a possibility, however wacky it might sound. I don't say it's a definite thing. I but I think it's possibly a fact that that um, the nicotine and so on counters the effects of the spraying and doesn't dumb you down as much. Perhaps it's a possibility. It's a definite possibility. You'll definitely cough up more stuff, and uh, it won't get through your lungs. That's how this stuff is intended to activate, pass through the small alveolar tissue and your lungs and get into the bloodstream. And smoking will technically stop that, or at least prevent a lot of it getting in. So here they go, the, the European Commission. They don't have governments anymore, you have commissions that run you. And um, the commission is preparing a pan-European smoking ban. And it says here, um, the European Commission is preparing to introduce legislation in 2011 to ban smoking in public places right across the Union. That's the whole of Europe. While partial or total smoking bans have been introduced in many European countries, ending patrons' ability to smoke in bars, cafes, and other public venues, it is still relatively easy in some states to find a bolt hole where smokers are welcome, where due, whether due to expectations to such laws, exceptions to such laws, or owners flouting the bans. Health Commissioner John Daly has said he wants to put a stop to this. We need a, a complete ban on smoking in all public places and spaces, transport and the workplace, he said, in an interview with German Daily de Welk, I guess it's a newspaper. Announcing that Brussels is currently preparing a bill to be brought forward next year, he said exceptions should no longer be tolerated, as the matter is not only about the health of visitors, but also the employees. Now, I guess that they mean, see, you have, you have private clubs as well, who are allowed to smoke and put up their own little laws and regulations. So they want to get them all out too. Mind you, there will be exemptions for those at the top who are ruling the country, as they puff on their cigars, because you must have a cigar to go with your brandy every day. Anyway, it says in Belgium, for example, home to the EU executive, patrons can still light up in cafes so long as the establishment does not serve food. While the Greek health minister last Wednesday admitted the effective failure of its 2009 smoking ban, saying that undercover inspections revealed that 8 out of 10 bars openly flouted the law. The EU bill may also attempt to reduce the amount of nicotine and other toxic substances contained in the product. So people wouldn't do the same thing with all the, 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 the crap they put in the food and all the chemicals, eh? No, they won't do that. That's essential to kill you off early, because that stuff will kill you off early. The Commission will furthermore try to win agreement on rules making tobacco products no longer visible to customers and make packaging as unattractive as possible. The packets are to be made identical in appearance and to bear colourful warning pictures. They've done that in Canada for years. Uh, as well as more information on the toxins the product contains. The more uniform the, and bland packaging the cigarettes are, the better, says the Commissioner. Zikail. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. On that last article about smoking, it's interesting how they hand out syringes and even had mobile trucks around the, the towns and the big cities to make sure that the, the, the drug addicts get their proper clean needles, etc., and even give them uh, all the other stuff too, you know, the, the methadone substitutes, etc., which they love. It's, it's, apparently it's worse than heroin, but that's okay. All this kind of stuff is fine, you see, that's all fine, and there's no problem at all with that. Regardless of many deaths, that kind of causes every year either. And I guess maybe the smokers should end up just going out and taking coke or, 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 or something like that. That seems to be allowed. It's widespread everywhere. God, the elite all use it themselves. So here's another article, too, about DARPA. Uh, it's from a DARPA website. I think no, it's, not, it's not actually. It's from Washington Times. And it says, President Obama issued a waiver loosening Tiananmen arms sanctions for CE-130 military transports for China a day after the Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to an imprisoned Chinese dissident who dedicated the prize this week to the victims of the 1989 crackdown. It was quite amazing, that crackdown, too, when people were trying to get what they thought was democracy because, of course, they were taught the fake version like we all are, and they wanted freedoms, and then came the tanks and the troops and so on, and put it all down violently too, and locked a lot up after killing a lot of others. And uh, it was interesting because Bill Clinton's brother was sent off the next day to calm things down with China to say that uh, America had no condemnation of what had been done on behalf of the authorities and that trade was of priority, and that's how we handled it there. Anyway, it says Chinese state-run news media on Monday hailed the White House waiver announcement as a sign Washington is moving to lift 11-year-old arms embargo. However, White House National Security Council spokesman Michael Hammer said the waiver issued on Saturday will not allow C-130 sales. Under this announcement, we're not selling any aircraft to anyone. I'll add at the moment. He said in an email, but he'll be at the moment. Mr. Obama's letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi Announcing the waiver states that it's lifting a ban on temporary munitions export licenses for C-130s that is currently is banned by the Fiscal 1990 Foreign Relations Act. The law bars sales to China of any defense item on the U.S. munitions control list unless the president makes a report waiving the restrictions. Mr. Hammer said the waiver is intended to assist companies in Southeast Asia that use C-130s for Cleaning up oil spills, <laughs> of course. The waiver will permit... So there you go, they are selling it to them, but it's for it has cleaning up oil spills. The waiver will permit C-130 to land in China to refuel or take on chemicals used in dispersing oil spills after first obtaining U.S. export license, he said. Sharon Hom, Executive Director of Human Rights in China, said the lack of any urgent oil spill emergency and the timing of the waiver so close to the Nobel Award sends a mixed signal to the Chinese leadership and undercuts President Obama's call for Leo Ziabo's release, especially in light of the June 4 genesis of the U.S. export ban. So uh, here they go again. Uh, it says the C-130s proposals obviously are toe in the water and as such should be rejected, said John Bolton, 
the former Undersecretary of State for International Security. This administration seems to have two messages about America for foreign governments, weak and weaker. Edward Timberlake, a former Pentagon Technology Security official, agreed this will ultimately undermine Tiananmen sanctions because the Chinese state-controlled media is hyping that as their objective. A very courageous Chinese citizen just received the Nobel Prize and his wife has been placed under house arrest. Announcing this waiver now makes a mockery of any administration's pretense of supporting human rights, regardless of the expedient environmental fig leaf justification, Mr. Timberlake said. So, it's the usual doublespeak and so on, so they are going to get selling them to China, and uh, trade must stay at the top regardless of human rights and all the rest of it. Interesting, too, I had an article, which uh, I won't read tonight, but it was it was uh, on the British Commonwealth Association, which is an official body. It came out, too, it's attached to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, because um, apparently um, it says that Britain no longer stands for international human rights throughout the Commonwealth. Why bother anymore? Who are they kidding that they, that they really fulfilled them in the past? They've just done away with them because we have all this terrorism and you've got to torture people and stuff like that. And it's awfully necessary to, to have these terrible, annoying little things scrubbed off the, the law books. So you can get on with it, you understand, for our safety. But what a farce it is. Even the Nobel Prize is a farce to look who started the whole darn thing up and how he made his money of World War I. Look at all the characters who have been given the Nobel Prize too. I mean, I was, I was really expecting the, the backdate one for Attila the Hun. I mean, some of the worst, the worst characters in history that have had war after war, including U.S. presidents, uh, have got the, the Peace Prize. Obama is probably sending more troops into Afghanistan than ever before. Yeah, why not Attila the Hun? I mean, he, re- he really deserves it, doesn't he? If that's the criteria as mass slaughter, then that's how you get it. Now, we're living in an age now, too, where your loyalty is now coming under scrutiny. And we, knew, we know, too, from previous articles that, that uh, DARPA is scouring the Internet for people who are now called anti-government, a tremendously important term because it's a direct translation from a, a Russian uh, ruling uh, where they called anybody who complained about anything that government was doing as anti-government as opposed to just being angry about a certain policy or whatever. Now you're labeled as anti-government. You're supposed to be for everything that government does, you see, or you're anti-government. And... They're now scouring out people across who are seeing anything negative at all about the administration. That that also went for the last government too, the last guys who were doing what they were told, just like Obama and his boys who are still doing what they're told by the same leaders way above them. But it says DARPA starts sleuthing out disloyal troops now, you see. And it's October the 11th. The military is scrambling to identify disgruntled or radicalized troops who pose a threat to themselves or their buddies. So the futurist, he's his futurist again at DARPA, are asking for algorithms to find and preempt anyone planning the next Fort Hood massacre, WikiLeaks document dump or suicide in uniform. This counterintelligence heavy effort isn't DARPA's typical push to create flying Humvees or brainwave powered prosthetic limbs, but the Pentagon's far out R&D team has made other moves recently to hunt down threads from within or threats from within. The ideas behind the anomaly 
Anomaly Detection at Multiple Scales, it's called, or ADAMS. They love these names, eh? Adam. Eh? Anomaly Detection at Multiple Scales. They must spend as much time and effort at think tanks paying big, big bucks to come up with these little names. Adam. Eh? Adam, here you go. So to sift out through the massive data sets to find the warning signs of looming homicide, suicide, or other destructive behavior. The focus is on malevolent insiders that started out as good guys. The specific goal of Adam, Adams is to detect anomalous behaviors before or shortly after they turn, the agency writes in its program announcement. I guess that's once they put them on, on drugs, you know. I think seven types of drugs are put on, or nine, nine types. So maybe that's when they, when they change, you see, from good guys to kind of bad guys. Currently, DARPA says the Defense Department doesn't actually know how a soldier in good mental health actually comes to pose an insider threat, defined as an already trusted person in a secure environment with access to sensitive information and information systems and sources. What they're also referring to is the WikiLeaks document, of course, that came from one source inside the military, but a guy, it seems, had a twinge of conscience and thought the public should know what was going on. So that's what they're really talking about. So you can have no conscience when you're in the military. So it's a nasty thing to have. It's just when we look through the evidence after the fact, we often find a trail. Sometimes even an obvious one, DARPA adds. The question is, can we pick up the trail before the fact, giving us time to intervene and prevent an incident? So it's pre-arrest type idea again, like the movie Minority Report. This is why is that so hard? Adams is supposed to fill the breach, but what kind of tech would be necessary to detect these anomalies? What sort of data actually represent worrisome anomalies as opposed to a soldier harmlessly venting steam? So if he's complaining off, you see, uh, they'll they'll probably uh, use um, the the emotional uh, scanners and all the rest of it that they use to find out if he really means it. Is he letting off steam or has he got a bad hair day? I mean, who knows? It says, Adams is in DARPA's first move into eternal military sleuthing, and August announced plans to build a system called Cyber Insider Threat, or Cinder, <laughs> Cinder, to hunt down patterns of suspicious behavior or cyber behavior on military networks that might indicate internal subversion or outside infiltration. But even though Cinder is overseen by top hacker Peter Mudge Gatko, it doesn't sound like DARPA knows precisely what it's looking for. Don't you believe that? Anomalous behavior could be comprised of entirely legitimate activities, observables, and the data sources they will be derived from. As August Contractor Solicitation acknowledged, how to distinguish the real warning signs from the false positives. Then they go into the Fort Hood shooting and a couple other things as well. To to show you, uh, is, is there a reason for basically to go into everybody's data? So if you join the military, you're going to have absolutely no personal privacy whatsoever. All your communications obviously are being uh, monitored, uh, catalogued, and run through all these different algorithmic sets to find out if you're a threat, uh, except for the enemy. They want you to be absolutely mad to kill the enemy. Uh, But anything else, they've got to know to make things look a bit better in the public's eye. And... Getting back to Bill Cooper when he talks about is the government in, in the, the position to, is it its job for the government to modify your behavior? You know? 
And um, it says, Philly suburb considers fining those who don't lock their cars. And uh, a suburban Philadelphia township is considering where to fine people who don't lock their car doors. They've tried that in Canada, too, where uh, they go into car parks outside shopping centers and go around all the, the car doors and see if the, the keys are in it and so on. And then they come out and talk to the people and give them a dressing down like the little child and all that kind of stuff. And they were talking about finding them, too, so I don't know what's happening on our side. But anyway... So the suburban Philadelphia Township is concerned whether to find people who don't want their cars. Commissioners in Upper Moreland Township are debating an ordinance that would require people to lock their car doors when parked in public areas or face a citation and a $25 fine. That's to start with, of course. Police Chief Thomas Nestle says that since 2008, three quarters or more of each year's reported thefts in the township are from cars left unlocked. The Bucks County Courier Times reports under the proposal uh, police would do spot checks on cars in neighbourhoods having problems with thefts from cars. The owner of a car left unlocked would get a warning, first a warning, and the door would be locked. So they, they might lock your keys inside. If it was found unlocked again within the next year, the owner would get a citation and a $25 fine. You know, all these things eventually will, will go down in, uh, as criminal charges eventually. All this kind of stuff. They're starting this way, you see, from basically civil uh, um, infractions to um, to go in, going into criminal. That's where all, the whole world's going to go that way. That's for this brave new world scenario that we're living inside. And the public haven't a clue. You know, the only only thing I ever agreed about Pierre Trudeau, who was a communist and who actually led the Communist Party in 1952, uh, for the Comintern meeting in Russia and Moscow from Canada and later became Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, Rhodes Scholar, of course, good pal of Castro. Uh, very wealthy, of course, because all the top ones are, are, are always uh, wealthy, all the communists. And um, the only right thing he said about anything in his whole time was that the, the, the government had no rights into the personalities of monitoring whatever people do in their own homes or their bedrooms. And that's true. That is true. But you see, it's not off anymore. They want to get into your houses to monitor what you do in your houses. They've already started different schemes to, to get you trained. And that's what you're doing. You're being trained that firemen have to come around occasionally and test your, uh, your um, fire detection equipment, that kind of stuff, you see. And they want more intrusions as well for engineers to come in to see if all your building codes are up to standards and snuff and all the rest of it. And then they want to, to have your, your houses tested every so often for thermal escape where the guys go all over the place with little lighted candles and see if there's a draft somewhere. And you pay for it, of course. So you're being trained that you don't have a personal little castle of your own, even if you think you own it, which, of course, you never do. Even if it's paid off, the government owns it. And they'll prove that to you if you can't pay your taxes. So you're being trained and modified step by step all along the way. People don't know that through the culture industry they're trained and modified as well. The culture industry isn't just the movies, it isn't just the novels. And yes, they do hire the novelists to put out all the racy stuff. And, uh, and they've been doing that since the 40s, you know, hiring that, those kind of characters. And... Um, but they also are into the fashion industry as well. They're into the, all the massive magazine industry. 
Uh, there's been magazines out there that were CIA started up and operated, in fact, to get new ideas across, mainly to women, actually. They've admitted that because marketers like women, they, they're more apt to go along with expert advice and try something new than men do who are a bit kind of laid back and they like their old baggy pants and stuff like that. It's an old dirty jacket. But women tend to go forward because they think other women are doing the same. And it works very, very, very well. Behavior modification is constantly ongoing. Schools, of course, are way up there with it because they're using the the complete Pavlovian techniques uh, coupled with Bertrand Russell's experimental school system of social indoctrination. And uh, they're preparing, they've already prepared uh, the youngsters growing up now who will think that all the things that were once politically incorrect are now very correct. All the negative things that general society didn't like. So everything's okay, it's all, everyone's point of view is okay, no one's right, no one's wrong, so anything goes. And uh, this is the sort of hell they're bringing in, because it is hell, it's definitely a hell coming in here. A totally controlled society. You know, the, the communist system, if you read its charter, was set up to be a sort of paradise for people, for the workers, not everybody else. There was only one thing with the Soviet system, and it still is, it is in the West, because that's what we're now under with the merger, as the, the Rees Commission showed. It's not meant for humans to live in. That's the one problem with the Soviet system. It's not meant for human beings to live in. Because we'd have to be robots, real robots, to live in it. But not for humans. That's why it could never work. And even though it will never work, of course, just the same way as they always do, they use terror and force by authorities to make you go along in an unworkable system. Then they give you tranquilizers to make you less nervous. Back with more after this break. I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. This last last article here is interesting because, you see, we think of the Americas being amalgamated, which we are. We definitely are. There are so many associations. They're all working steadily, full-time, seven days a week, basically, uh, to integrate us all. They've had articles in the papers in Canada or Fortress America, for instance, a few years ago, talking about total integration of the economies of the customs systems, of the import duties that share all that together to a common agency, all that kind of stuff. They're doing the same across the rest of the world. And again, it's the same old system that Karl Marx uh, talked about in in, um, uh, Das Kapital. First the European Union, the the American Union, the the Pacific Rim region, all all set up, by the way, uh, these organizations by the Royal Institute of International Affairs long ago to make this all happen but also for Africa too. And uh, they're amalgamating uh, East Africa, and they're calling the East African community into one solid trading block. But it's also got its objectives, total integration, political, economic, etc. Just the same as they did with Europe, only they've told them the truth here, whereas Europe, that they lie to them and tell them it's about trading and stuff like that. And I'll put this link up too at cuttingthroughthematrix.com with all the other links at the end of the show. But it goes into the, the permanent tripartite commission for East African cooperation was the first formed in 1967 as the East African community. 
It collapsed in 77 due to political differences. Following the dissolution of the organization, former member states negotiated a mediation agreement for the division of assets and liabilities, which was signed in 1984. However, as one of the provisions of the mediation agreement, the three states agreed to explore areas of future cooperation and to make concrete arrangements for such cooperation. So it was on about the, the subsequent meetings of held since then, how they're going into a common monetary system, um, a, a free trade area, of course, which will be linked again with other countries already in the free trade zone under the World Trade Organization, obviously. And, um, and so they're the, the really, just like everything else, once it ends up in these massive uh, like Sovietized blocks, um, you feel so f- remote from your government, not that they're very close to it now, even if it's just down the road, uh, it's very remote because they'll have to put up a separate parliament uh, meeting building somewhere, just like Brussels was set up for the whole of Europe, and uh, that will deal with there. They've done the same already with West Africa, uh, the community agreement, and um, eventually they want a complete solid block of Africa, and that will take a long time to do, and there'll be a lot of bloodshed too as they bring it all about, I'm sure, and disempower different uh, people who control certain areas. Until it's a solid block uh, running on the same system as the European Union in some form or another. So something really that was talked about in the 1840s and onwards is here. We're living through it. Most folk will take no notice of it at all um, and think it's just happening by chance. Well, nothing happens by chance because we're going into the global society. Your prime minister is talking about the global economy must take precedence over national economies. Our Prime Minister of Canada said that in a recent interview. In fact, it was at the G20 meeting. So we have to lose national sovereignty, said Harper, to uh, be part of the global uh, um, economy. That comes first. So you know the road we're on, folks, and it's not a pleasant one. We have been given no other system. The system we had was a lie. And it's up to you to figure out where you go from here. Never mind the we part, where do you go from here? From Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>